Halat Iblis, and welcome to Shift F1, a podcast about speedy race cars. That, by the way, is Emirati Arabic for Satan's Castle. Oh my god. Sounds like an old arcade game. So you've seen Ferrari World. (laughs) (laughs) That's what the locals Uh, call it. That is an idiomatic expression meaning (laughs) the middle of nowhere, which is where Formula One has now left us without any more racing. I'm Drew Scanlon. Joining me, Danny O'Dwyer. How are you, Danny? I'm all right. I'm, uh, I was thinking about this. I'm, I'm moving house in a week. And uh, I was thinking the end of an F1 season is kind of like that last dinner you have in a place you worked worked or lived in for a while where you're like, you're excited for the future, but it's like bittersweet. You're like, mm. oh, that was we We had some fun times here. Did we? Rob Zachney. <laughs> you know, we did. I think, honestly, this is this season frequently bored the hell out of me. And yet by the end, I'm like. Oh, there's no more. There's no more F1 because uh, the little the little tastes of really fun racing and races we get, you know, they fire you up. And the, if there's more F1 racing coming, there could always be more good F1. That's very true. Well, if you are new to this podcast, a very warm welcome to you. Uh, it's the last race of the season that we're talking about. Uh, but rest assured, uh, we will be back next season with a preseason primer episode. But if you'd like to go back right now and listen to our preseason primer episode for this season and then binge all of our episodes <laughs> up to up to real time i'm not going to stop you that preseason think, primer yeah do you think someone's done that like you know like when the, when like netflix before they would put up the entire season they do them week by week and then people would wait do you think there's some people who just wait for the season to be over and they just binge all Probably. the podcasts and races yeah. that's a good way to be time was you could do that i think now you get too spoiled yeah that's true that's like true. i used to be just like I, I didn't need to watch races anywhere near like when they aired because yeah. like I wasn't going to get spoiled. I could do it on MotoGP still. I usually watch that like a couple months after the season's over. Yeah. I catch up with the whole thing. Yeah. Well, now, uh, like you just open a news page. There's the results. You can tell it's the end of the season because I'm breaking Drew's flow during the <laughs> intro section. Stop breaking my flow. The preseason primer episode assumes no prior F1 knowledge, Danny. It and does. explains how the sport works and who everybody is. So if you'd like to go back and listen to that, it's episode 216. Also, this show would not be possible without our audience over at patreon.com slash shift F1, where every month we release an ad-free version of the podcast, along with bonus podcasts and videos exclusively for our patrons that cover racing documentaries and films, F1 video games, experiments with other racing series, and a lot of weird things. So if you would like to support the show and get access to all that fun stuff, which continues in the off-season... Head over to patreon.com slash shift F1 and click the link in the show notes. Danny, people who are watching the video version of this podcast can see why you're laughing and it's because you looked ahead. Danny opened opened his grimoire of F1 tragedy and looked at the page and started laughing. Which makes me think just what sort of nightmare fuel escapades occurred on this day uh, oh in God. F1. I can't wait to the end of this episode. Can't believe I'm so sorry. I looked at I went I go to the I always do this. I check the date right when we're doing the intro and I go to the page and then curiosity got the best of me and I started reading it. I won't read it now, obviously. <clears throat> all my eyes instantly for some reason my eyes instantly went to the opening four words of the second paragraph which are also killed that day oh man <laughs> and then, and, then, and I, I looked I, I looked shocked and then looked up at rob and rob was already laughing so like okay so unfortunately yeah we got some grim 
uh, news coming at the well, end of the podcast. If you are a new listener, you've got that <laughs> yes. all season to look forward to. Uh, yeah. This month, Danny, what is going on in Patreon land? <laughs> in Patreon land, where we're all doing fine, uh, hopefully. Um, uh, we're recording our uh, uh, Patreon-exclusive review of the uh, Keanu Reeves Braun documentary, which uh, I know myself and Rob were talking in the Discord. Is Not to spoil it, I, th- I think that's a really good documentary series. It's some... I think we're gonna have some fun chats about it um so if you're interested in watching that uh, or listening to that uh, head over to our patreon of course we'll be talking about all four episodes i believe it mm-hmm. is of uh, of that documentary that's available it is actually on, available on the sbn plus as well you're right i am i was flicking through sbn plus and it was on there too but it's also on hulu and whatever else um and a massive thanks to all of our Incredible title sponsors, uh, which may be read out in a different order today because I'm going straight to Patreon because I forgot to post them into our document. Uh, thank you to all of these incredible people. F1 Gamer Dad, Tracy Family Welcomes Nico, Mojo Nixon Gaming, uh, Get Rich or Die Ryan, Aaron Kolitz. Oh, I think that's Cyphus Training. No, damn, they went. They go by a different name. Some of these I substitute. Damn it. Dang. Sorry, Aaron. <laughs> Cyphus Training, Turf SES, at Team Blackjack, Michael Maves, Gordy's Army, at Talking Autos, Olivia Evans, TelemetryDeck.com, FTC, Drew Stewart, Bailey Foote, Abdullah Althani, Jason Chadwick, Abraham Getchell, The Space Above Us, uh, above us Podcast, Dollar Sign, Dollar Sign, ooh, funny fiend, um, Snigs, Alex Goucher, Max Voltar, Circuit Demon, Troy Stammer, Humberto Roca, William Rumpf, Irvine Clinical Research, Lachlan the Madden Man, and of course... Jason Kelly, thank you all so much for your incredible patronage. Indeed. Well, we have got quite a race to get to, you guys. Do we? (laughs) We have a race to get to, you guys. Uh, And the race will start with who else at the front of the field but Max Verstappen. Behind him, Charlotte Claire. And in third place, Oscar Piastri. Yeah. Uh, And behind him... George Russell bringing himself even with his teammate uh, on 11 qualifying results apiece. Important, too, that the Mercedes do well, because the big fight here is between them and Ferrari for that delicious uh, second place position in the Constructors' Championships. Indeed. Uh, Fifth place is Lando Norris. Sixth place, Yuki Tsunoda. Qualified sixth. Yuki Tsunoda. (laughs) Again. Alpha Tauri's. Yuki's uh Fernando Alonso seventh place, Nico Hulkenberg, eighth place, Sergio Perez, ninth, Pierre Gasly, tenth, Lewis Hamilton, eleventh, a surprising yeah. Q2 elimination. Uh then we've got Esteban Ocon, Lance Stroll, uh Alex Albon, Daniel Ricardo in fifteenth, and then Carlos Sainz. He crashed in practice, so car may not have been hundred mm. percent. Um, but this is a big hit, like you said, Danny, to Ferrari since they are battling for Mercedes or battling with Mercedes for that second place. And by the way, the, the Constructors' Championship is not only about bragging rights. It also has a uh, severe uh, prize money implication on the order of magnitude of millions of dollars. Especially with the cost cap. Yes. Uh, Kevin Magnuson will line up 17th, followed by Valtteri Bottas, Joe Guanyu, and Logan Sargent, who failed to set a time really <clears throat> capping things off. Yeah. Uh, he failed to out-qualify his teammate Alex Albon at any point during the season. His laps kept getting deleted. And that's the, like, he could not uh, do the clean lap. Yeah. yeah. Killer, yeah. And I feel like Oscar Piastri's 
sort of a late season surge as well has gone somewhat underreported. He's done really well. Like obviously the McLarens have done well, but he he himself I think has matured a lot this uh you know over the course of this season. Yeah. Rookie of the year. Yeah. In my eyes. Uh let's start the race, Danny. The final race of the 2023 season as the sun goes down on Abu Dhabi. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it was a, a nice little battle, this, between Charlotte Claire and Max Verstappen. Um, they both got away well. Uh, Leclerc maybe slightly better, but the second phase is where Verstappen really shone and really hung it out there on the outside. Um, I think this was a good example of Leclerc is not a, he's not a Hamilton. Like, we talk about how Verstappen is, you know, has broad elbows. And so does Hamilton. And they often hit each other's elbows as a result of it. It's like Senna trying to overtake Senna. Um, Leclerc is a bit more, I don't know, tactical. He's not Prost, but he's a bit more alleviate the space. You know what I mean? He's not, he's not, he's not shutting doors down like the two of them tend to do. Um, and so I feel like someone else who is maybe a bit more aggressive or has something to lose, nothing to lose might have been a bit more elbows out but with ferrari and with especially considering where signs is at the start of this race and they really need to get the points i feel like leclerc did a really good job racing max but didn't try and you know i don't know over overdo it um, and so what we got was a great little sort of multi-turn you know even down to um the 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 wide before they hit the back straight um a bunch of battling with them uh which i really enjoyed yeah i i feel like so I, I don't put too much by this this exchange here because I think one you're right like Leclerc has too much to lose here uh, given the situation with Mercedes like and where Carlos is he's got to bring home as many points as possible in this in in this one but I think the bigger one is did you see the way that Red Bull was able to take that corner and yeah. finally dust Leclerc like there are so many moments in the season but it's especially in corners like this where you can just visibly see the Red Bull has more grip. And then it can begin pushing out of the corner so much earlier than the other driver can. Like it is just, it is Max's, Max is on the loud pedal like a full second before Leclerc can get on his. And it's just, you know, it's one of those things where um, I like there, there are times uh, like, like last week, I, I think, you know, maybe that would have a situation where like Leclerc maybe did need to be more like, I'm ready to die for this position. Are you, uh, and, and not let, let, not let Max just like take it so wide there in Vegas. But, but here it was a case of this was wheel wheel racing. And that red bull is just a categorically better machine. And at a certain point, there's nothing you can do except, except unless you're willing to run into the guy and just try to take him out. That car is just going to leave you behind. Yeah. Leclerc does get a run on Verstappen on that back straight and, both sets of commentators, both the Croft Brundle and the Jake's Coulthard, uh, believed that he had taken the place. But like you said, Rob, Verstappen is just too powerful and just oh. muscles his way through it. Like, just to keep it. It's it's kind of amazing. So, sorry. Uh, crucial context for me in this race, because you mentioned both sets of commentators. You're forgetting about the third set of commentators. Mm-hmm. The F1 kids. Oh, were so, they on this week? You ever have sometimes <sighs> Google TV, uh, YouTube TV <laughs> will give you an alternate broadcast, and you're like, I want to watch this, and it's got the proper tags and everything. And you're like, click, all right, I'll be, I'll be Grand Prix, excellent, click. And then it's like, well, 
They're back. It's the F1 kids. And here's Braden and Jackson and it's a bunch of like little English kids. Oh, nice. Calling the race. There's one adult and there's like five or six little kids like between the ages of like, I think, 10 and 14. Six of them. It's a lot. It's a big (laughs) cast. And they're surprisingly good. That is the, this is the other thing. It isn't like these as commentators. It is the funniest thing because it is clearly kids who have paid such close attention to F1 commentary and probably football commentary and like they've internalized commentator styles and rhythms. So it is like really polished commentators and they are clearly, they are audibly children. The broadcast was not bad. The kids were not bad commentators. However, the thing that finally I was like, I got to fire up F1 TV. I got to get away from this broadcast (laughs) was because the entire broadcast uses cartoon graphics. And so the the broadcast does not have proper timing and scoring. They don't uh, have the, the gaps. Uh, they don't have all the info just arrayed on the left hand side of the screen. So you're just watching the the feed without the without the graphics in the most part and hearing these kids talk over it. And F one is really hard to follow unless you get the like gap information and like the the sort of like the the snapshot of of where people are in the race. But I watched probably a, a third of this race. Wow! Uh, as it was being called by a group of preteens. <laughs> Uh, this this has just reminded me that we only ever got one episode of the grandstand with Will Arnett. Oh, they never they never did it again because Ricardo had to get back in a car. I, that's, that's the, the only reason. reason. That's the reason. That's the only reason they were they were going to do so many of those. They're yeah. so good. Yeah, and they could have had Marshawn Lynch on hired for the whole thing. You know what I mean? Like, let's just get Beast Mode in the co commentary uh, chair. <sighs> if someone can point me to. The F1 kids broadcast. I would love to see a clip of that. Yeah, I think they're doing the um, the Nickelodeon thing again uh, this week on a Thursday Night Football or maybe Sunday. I don't know. So the weird one, that broadcast is like, uh, like the, the funny thing about the Nickelodeon broadcast is that does like it's pitch younger and like the kids are not as broadcast booth ready the f1 kids is just the most bizarre fucking thing where it is like (laughs) it is i don't know it's like big in reverse if you had like Uh adult like 40 year old commentators get freaky fridayed into kids bodies and then it's like go call this race that's amazing i'm into it uh well back to the race uh with these young at heart uh podcasters Mm. Um, Perez on lap three, having lost places to Gasly and Hamilton gets one place back at the end of the straight as he dives down the inside of Hamilton at turn six for ninth place. Leclerc does manage to stick with Verstappen for a while, while, uh, Piastri drops back a bit and allows Norris to charge around him on the straight for third on lap four. Uh, Russell also lost a spot to Norris on the opening lap, but on lap seven seeks to regain it and tries to get around Piastri as they head into the long left-hander of turn nine, but Piastri stays ahead. He tries again. Russell does on lap 11. See, now I'm doing the commentator thing of when you say he does this, comma, Russell does, because it's (laughs) unclear about who we're talking about. 
David Croft does this all the time. Uh, <laughs> Russell tries again on lap 11, and Piastri locks up while defending, allowing Russell to stick close. Or if he doesn't say Russell does, he says the the Brit does. Oh, very good. You know, just because you can't different... you can't say the name too many times in a row. Uh, allowing Russell to stick close through the corner and get a run on Piastri as they come across the start finish straight. Russell sealing the deal into turn one for fourth place. Uh, I don't know where I saw this, just while on the, the topic of Crofty. It might have been on YouTube. It might have been Sky Sports' YouTube. It might have been somewhere else. Uh, I'm not sure. But there was a great uh, Crofty showing the, I think it was Abu Dhabi, the commentary booth. He did a little tour of oh, their cool. setup when they're commentating. And of course he did it. Like he was like, we're going to go live pretty soon. So I just want to tell you about it. And then slowly I'm watching the video and I'm like, the the intro is playing behind him. And I'm like, oh, are they going live like right now? And of course the pro that he is, he does the tour of the thing and then goes, but right now I got to call practice. And he just goes into it like, and, and does the intro to, I think it was P2. It's it's pretty good. It's, can you it's can like, you find that for me? Yeah, yeah. It's like okay. baller move. It's like and you can see like that like F one intro with all the ke- people starts and like Anthony Davis beside him stands up and he's gonna do it as well. And I'm like, oh my god, are they? And it's so smooth. It's so smooth. I'll send it to you. You love to see how good this how tight the crew is sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I will also say in the uh, F one pre race show, like Grand Prix Sunday or whatever it is, uh, Ted Kravitz had a segment that was basically catnip. Uh, he assembled <laughs> all the video from uh, the night race in Vegas with the helmet cams where you could see like perfectly clearly the different uh, readouts the teams are using on their steering wheels. Oh, wow. And did an annotated talk through of the different displays, the info on it. And then he went and interviewed the drivers and was like, so why does your team not show this or why does it like relate this information oh. this way? It's a fascinating segment. I hope they break it out into a special YouTube segment. Because there were tons of interesting things. One of them I want to say was that they can't, some data can't be, they can't use the proper units of measurement in the, in the cars. Like it's like, we can't tell the drivers this. I think it might be tire carcass temperature. You can get like surface readings. You can get that in centigrade, but you can't get like the, the, the the carcass temps Mm. like directly. You can't just give the drivers that. And so I think what they might do is like all the teams give like an abstracted version. <laughs> They're like it. obfuscated. Good. Yeah. Like, so uh, Alpha <laughs> yeah. Romeo uses color coding where wow. if like the color, like in a racing game, like if it's blue, it's cold, if it's purple, it's ice cold, if it's green, it's good, etc. Um, <laughs> other teams use like a, you know, a, a number scale, uh, you know, 10 hot, like one, one cold, 10 hot. Uh, but it was, it was really interesting because none of the none of the team displays are really that similar to each other. Once you actually stop and analyze like how they all look, uh, they don't they don't look similar That's to each so other funny. at all. Some basically like don't display speed information, uh, wow. or they've like got it buried in the corner because uh, I think Oscar Piastri was explaining this. You don't really need speed information yeah. in the car, like your reference points or what you're driving by. And there's no limit; you have to stay yeah, under. Right. <laughs> Uh, so it was just it was a really interesting segment. It was one of those things where it was like, wow, wow. I, I learned a ton. And he finally asked, like, so Williams, what's up with not having the display yes. on the steering wheel? Yeah. And Albin was like, I've wondered that myself. <laughs> He's like, I'm told it's weight saving. 
but I don't think it's good. And next year, it's going to be we're going to be using the same sort of display that everyone else does. Oh, right? interesting. Uh, so okay. finally, James Valls taking care of business, <laughs> upgrading, just to the getting iPad in there and being 15. like, <laughs> put that display on the wheel. Right. Like wow, here, cool. we're going to tape an iPhone to it if you don't <laughs> if you don't fix this. Uh, well, pit stops start around lap 12 with Alonzo and the Piastri coming in. Norris and Russell uh, pit on the same lap, and Russell manage, manages to jump Norris in the pit due to a slow McLaren pit stop. Mm. Uh, the other Mercedes of Hamilton, not having a great opening stint, he tags the back of Gasly going into turn six, uh, damaging uh, his own front wing, and then Hamilton pits soon thereafter. You know who doesn't pit, though? Yuki Sonoda. Uh, Alpha Tauri needs baby. a sixth place finish to take seventh in the Constructors Championship away from Williams. So they go with a bold one stop strategy for Sonoda, leaving him out there on his medium tires way longer than everyone else, causing him to lead the race for four laps or so. Only the second driver, ever, a Japanese yeah. driver ever to, uh, to do so, the first being Tsukuma Sato. Apparently, he did not even know that he was leading. <laughs> nice. It would have put him under too much pressure. I think also they were, it was going to like possibly jeopardize like Max Verstappen having a thousand laps this season or something. Right. There's some like obscure stats that it might um, get in the way of. But yeah, good job. Why not? Lead the pack, Yuki. Yeah. Uh, Yuki does eventually come in for hards on uh, lap 22. Um, Perez, though, doing that thing he does. Climbing through the field. He does a lot of things. Is that what he does? You're going to have to be more specific. <laughs> <laughs> he, does, he does the thing he does there, and then he does the other thing he does later. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, lap 25, passes Alonzo on the straight with DRS into sixth place, and then three laps later gets Piastri into turn six, making it look easy uh, for fifth place. Later, he'll make it look hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> lap 37, kind of a weird one. Alonzo comes out of the pits for the second time and rejoins on the track just ahead of Hamilton, then slows way down. <laughs> he does he tried the thing. The he tried the thing. He tried the Jenna yes. thing, but he tried it here. He was like, I'm in the Middle East. I'm going to try the DRS <laughs> thing. <laughs> I'm going to, which to Hamilton was like, did he break check me? Yeah. Yeah. So after the race, Alonzo <laughs> said that he was slowing ahead of the DRS detection point to let Hamilton pass so that Alonso would get DRS instead on the following straight, uh, which is a move he pulled off 10 years ago in Canada. Uh, and this quote from race fans, Alonso speaking, we did the same thing in Canada, I think in 2013. So for 10 years after that episode, we tried just to give the DRS to the other guy breaking for turn five, but in both cases, I won. So it's okay. Lewis is Amazing. obviously very clever, understands the sport really good and has a lot of experience, but I have more. So, oh, I like that. So yeah, we are. It was, it was, was it Verstappen and Hamilton who did it in Jeddah actually? Yes. So that's, that's funny. And then Canada might be the most advantageous place to do <clears throat> this because that is a bona fide <coughs> hairpin the detection point is right as you're pulling out of it, and then you have that monster straight down until you hit the the curve of champions. Uh, I do that in the video game all the time. That's a that's because that's a real easy one to pull off in the game. Um, that's pretty cool. Well, the clinic continues because on lap 46, Alonso is behind signs, gets DRS, then passes him into turn five, which is the corner right before the straight, and then once ahead of signs on the straight 
Alonzo gets to activate his DRS, making up <laughs> for the straight line speed deficit of the Aston Martin uh, to the Ferrari, sealing the move for eighth place. Love it. Smart Love guy, see it. that Alonzo. Hey, remember at the start, first couple of races when we thought they might have the best car <laughs> or the second best car rather? Oh, what was what was what was their season? I mean, well, they, I think it just they just goes started to show, experimenting too much. Yeah. They did. They had to reset it, didn't they? They they went back to factory settings on that one car <laughs> before I raised yeah, it. Yeah, turn it off. Wait 15 seconds. <laughs> uh, so as we come to the last 10 laps of the season, there mm. is still a big battle happening between Mercedes and Ferrari for that second place in the Constructors' Championship. Uh, on lap 47, Verstappen is in first, followed by Leclerc in second, Russell in third, then Sainz in ninth, Hamilton in 10th. So at this point... Uh, with 10 laps to go, Ferrari would take second in the constructors, but there is also the wild card of the ascendant. Sergio Perez currently in fifth, lining up a pass on Lando Norris. Well, I think the wilder card, the joker, the the river card that, that Ferrari was waiting for with for signs was the, we've put him on hard compounds twice now, uh-huh. and we need to do it for a different compound. And we're just going to hope there's a safety car. Yes. So signs is in the hunt. And like you said, they were doing the live points thing where for a lot of that race, like for, I might do this for, I might be able to, to overtake it, but signs needs to stop. And I think this is such a, I would need to see the data. Like just historically, how often is there a safety car at, at Abu Dhabi? 40% chance. Yeah. They're, they're fairly. Yeah. Like decent chance. Yeah. 40%. Yeah which is, I would say, above the average. Yeah. Still, I want maybe better. Slightly. As the, ra- as the race is going late, I might want to maybe, like, this is what's insidious about the strategy. Once you've committed to it, it's so hard to break out of it. And yeah, keep, 100%. Like, you, you've now paid yeah. the price. And so oh, now, yeah. like. Sunk cost fallacy just, like, drilled into your brain. You're just Yeah. Like- <laughs> well, and also, like, I mean, look, they're probably right. Like. Fate likes to mock you. Probably if signs stops, like with about like 10, 12 laps left to go for <laughs> for a different compound, probably we do get a safety car. I know that's magical thinking, <laughs> but doesn't this feel kind of how like reality works, particularly when it comes to Ferrari tire strategy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, in any case, uh, turn six, Perez dives up the inside of Lando Norris, banging wheels with him, man, uh, which causes Norris to cut the track and retain the place. Uh, both claim that the other just banged into him, uh, yeah. but the stewards come down on Perez, handing him a five-second penalty. Perez said he turned into me, which is presumably because Perez was driving as if there wasn't a turn, but there actually was a turn <laughs> there. So Lando had to turn to make the turn. Whereas Perez, even if Lando wasn't there, Perez was not making that turn. The only way See, he Lando's made the turn. Acid comment after the race that it was impressive that Perez managed to hit him, given that he was trying to let him through. <laughs> really oh my yep. god he was like i wasn't even racing him <laughs> that's amazing yeah just like a just a weird i mean hamilton's contact with was it gasly whoever or Ocon, mm-hmm. whoever he hit the back off that was also like just an, an odd one just like oh did you just totally yeah, but gasly the had, so but gasly lost control of his car a little bit like gasly had a lockup that was going oh uh, I so okay. his whole like his entire corner entry was compromised but oh, unlike okay. a normal lockup where you like just sort of skid off the racing line and out of the path of the car behind you he made the corner but he was just like under lock and so okay. he slowed up weirdly and uh so like the the hamilton rear ending was like more defensible 
Right. Okay. I I, I messed up. I, I didn't realize that had happened. Um. In this case, then this is just like it's a wonder they hit really hard and Perez like it was almost like a burnout paradise overtake where you just sl- you just use the other car <laughs> to make the turn. Um. Yeah. Both their I think their front wheels hit and uh, lucky there was no other damage it was one of those crashes where because they hit sort of flush sideways mm-hmm. it's they probably got away with it yeah but yeah on um, the same lap hamilton gets around signs at turn nine with a great outside pass uh one lap later perez tries the same thing on norris again and does get by without incident uh speaking of penalties though we get a lot of pop-ups from the fia about pit stop infringements for multiple drivers which was weird, but eventually we learned that they are for members of the pit crew, multiple pit crews, not wearing adequate eye protection. Uh, never seen that one before. No. They all failed shop class. <laughs> That's what, but why was it coming up on the screen? Where the, with the dry, who would get the penalty in that case? The team. Just, but the team, you can't penalize the team. I mean, well, you can. Them, but uh, or they, can they were calling them. it four drivers, but it's probably four during the pit stop of that driver uh but right. no no on-track penalties were applied the commentators um were saying that um or at least croft and brundle were surmising that that would probably result in a team fine more than a sporting penalty uh but the the stewards dropped it afterwards uh, right. saying it, it was in this from race fans insufficiently clear whether those who had their visors open were wearing glasses or some other form of eye protection that would satisfy the regulations so that's what that was all about. <laughs> uh, back to the championship battle, though. Signs has yet to pit, as Rob stated. So he's effectively out of the points, but Perez is lining up a pass on Russell and gets by on the inside of turn nine and into third place. This would mean that Mercedes would lose second in the Constructors' Championship, but for Perez's five-second penalty. So all Russell has to do is stay within that five-second gap for four more laps, enter Charles Leclerc, who, at that same detection point where Alonso and Hamilton were scrapping it out, Leclerc slows down to let Perez get DRS, then lets him through to try to get more than five seconds ahead of Russell. Uh, Leclerc knowing that uh, he would still be within five seconds of Perez, so he's not losing a place by doing that, but maybe he can secure second for Ferrari in the Constructors' Championship. I thought this was cool. Pretty badass. It, it added some added some last last lap spice yeah. to Abu Dhabi, which is what we always love. I guess I was kind of thinking I don't know, it, it probably like probably is going to be hard to salvage no matter what with how little race was left to pull this off, but it did kind of feel like maybe trying to get him do the signs thing where he stays in DRS range and just like toes car toes Perez for a couple Mm -hmm. laps might've had a better chance of opening up that Delta rather than having him pass. But um, I don't know, like Sergio opened up a lead on Russell really fast after he passed him, but it like leveled off fast. So like, I'm not sure. It's one of those things I'd be curious, like to run a few scenarios on it where it's like, was there any way? with four laps, three laps left, whatever for Ferrari to sort of manipulate that running order, uh, to seal that, uh, second place. Well, meanwhile, Hamilton is trying to do his part. Uh, and I don't know that this was broadcast, but he makes a late lunge on Sunoda at turn nine on the last lap, trying to emulate the signs pass 
but has to counter steer to maintain control of his car. And then Sunoda repasses at the end yeah. of the corner. Uh, in the end, though, Verstappen wins the final race of the season. Perez finishes on track in second, but with that penalty applied, drops to fourth, 1.1 seconds behind George Russell, giving Mercedes second in the Constructors' Championship. Uh, Master Stappen, as you said, Danny, did eclipse 1,000 laps led in a season. Uh, this is his 19th win in a season. Uh, second place, Charles Leclerc. Third place, George Russell. And then we've got the fourth place of Sergio Perez, followed by Lando Norris, Oscar Piastri, Fernando Alonso, Yuki Tsunoda in eighth. Sadly for Alpha Tauri, this is not enough to secure seventh in the Constructors' Championship, but good news for Williams. It is Franz Tost's final race with the team. And uh, Tsunoda said, mm. and this quote from race fans, looking back at the start of the season, we never thought... Uh, we never thought about it where we'd be leading the pack. I wasn't able to give the biggest gift to France, but I gave it all. So my performance was in appreciation of him. Even if I did the same exact strategy as the top teams, I don't know if we'd be able to finish P6 anyway. So I don't think we have regrets. Uh, Lewis Hamilton finished ninth and Lance Stroll, the last of the points paying positions. Behind him, Daniel Ricciardo, Esteban Ocon, Pierre Gasly, Alex Albon, Nico Hülkenberg in 15th, then Logan Sargent, Zhou Guanyu, uh, Carlos Sainz, Valtteri Bottas, and Kevin Magnussen. Uh, I was interested just to make sure what would happen if Sainz hadn't pitted, um, he would have been disqualified. Ah. So, yeah, there you go. I was like, do you get a time penalty for that? Or do you? Nope, nope. DQ? <laughs> the ultimate okay. time penalty. You don't <laughs> exist. <laughs> exactly. All right, well, that is it for the race recap. We are going to take a break, and then we will be back with the Nears. And we're back. Uh, Rob, let's take this first one about McLaren. Yeah, uh, it's just a funny uh, piece of news to see. Uh, McLaren have announced an extension with the uh, power unit supply contract with Mercedes uh, out through 2030. That's notable because that basically means they're committing to whatever power unit Mercedes puts out come 2026 when new regulations roll yeah. out. Uh, now, you know, for Mercedes track record with the last power unit transition to the V6 uh, turbo hybrids, you could argue that's why they racked up so many championships, you know, before, before the arrow tweaks, uh, you know, tilted things back toward, uh, Red Bull's arrow department when it was a power unit deterministic championship prior to that, uh, Mercedes cleaned up. And so you can understand where, you know, why McLaren would, uh, feel confident going into a generational switch like this. Uh, and you know, I mean, you know, according to the, the press release speak that you find in announcements like this, uh, you know, they, they are they've been happy with how the partnership has gone. I put a little more stock in that, given the uh, you know to use a brundleism, a tor the the torrid history of power units over at <laughs> McLaren uh, prior yeah. to recommitting to Mercedes. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's interesting seeing people try like putting uh, down these like long term contracts uh, for for customer engine agreements. Uh, this far ahead of the power unit transition. Yeah, I wonder if there are like out clauses, right? Where if uh, if your engine explodes like ten times yeah. in the first two seasons, then uh, <laughs> we get to we get to write this off. Um, yeah, I wonder if there's also a musical chairs thing. You know, like every series talks about how like 
these engines are so bespoke. It's not like you can just be like, yeah, make 10 more. We got a new, we got a new set of orders. So maybe right. there is some value in just like guaranteeing your supply as opposed mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. ever risking being in the position of like being the last customer to show up uh, looking for a power unit. Yeah. Uh, well, as we mentioned, um, Alpha Tauri uh, scored eighth place in the championship. They will no longer be known by that name. Alpha Tauri, I was just getting used to it, but now I'm not going to have to say <laughs> Alpha Tauri Gosh. every week because they are changing their name, uh, which is something we've known uh, for a little bit here. Uh, in addition to them losing their team principal, Franz Tost, um, they're getting a new one. Uh, Laurent Makies from Ferrari is going to be their new team principal. Uh, Peter Bayer will be their CEO. Um, and they are moving away from the Alpha Tauri name, despite still being owned by Red Bull. Uh, and current th- documents obtained by racefans.net indicate that that name will be Racing Bulls. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Boo. How do we keep Scuderia Toro Rosso? It was such a good name. Yeah. Did you say Toro Rosa? I said Rosso. You said Rosso? You said Toro Rosso? Yeah. Toro Rosso. I miss Drew saying Toro Rosso. Toro Rosso. You can do little, little, little vibe. The point there. is, I think we can all agree, it's the greatest name for an F1 team in history. It's great. <laughs> I don't understand why you just don't go back to it. Also, because, let's face it, like that team's, its crops have withered since it stopped being Scuderia Toro Rosso. Like, and like, it also like, the worst part about this is that it was a brand that they made up so that they could like just sell clothes and shit. Like Alpha it was, Tauri was. Yeah. yeah it was I like think such I don't a... know that they're getting rid of their fashion brand. Uh but the oh, Toro Rosso was also a name they made up. It means Red Bull in Italian because the yeah. team is Italian. It uh made sense. If yeah. you're gonna make if you're gonna go to something you made up, why not do that instead of racing bulls? Racing bulls to me, this I what I think this is is like a racing point situation which is we don't have a name for the team. Name. We oh, do yeah. not have a sponsor yet. This is just the official name on documents. It's going to be something more real later. It's just going to make me think of Jake LaMotta all the time. It's yep. it's too close to Raging Bull. And mm-hmm. it also like implies that the Red Bulls aren't racing. Like I, I just like... <laughs> oh, we're the racing yeah. bulls. We're, yeah. yeah. I don't know what you guys are doing. It's terrible. And like, I don't know, like, you're right. This does have placeholder feel. It does. Maybe. Maybe is because, you know, somewhere in the background, they're like, you know, this team has such proud Italian heritage. We used to be Scuderia Taro Rosso. Uh, what if we could be Andretti? Uh, oh, Andretti racing. <laughs> there we what go. What if we could unite we the, old, the old country and the new world? That's good. Amazing. I thought you were gonna say like Ferrari too. Could you? Would you? Would you be allowed to do that? Just Ferrari call yourself two. Ferrari too instead. <laughs> Better than this rolls. fucking this fucking Laura Mipsum dollar name they've gone with. Uh, this is. We are also losing the other Alpha um, team name next year as well. Alpha Romeo is uh, returning as Sauber uh, before they get taken over by Audi. Man, it, it was and weird that we had two Alphas in there yeah no no audi branding on it they're very clear but like that partnership's fine just audi's not in a rush to get their name on it uh so we're gonna be sauber for a year 
<laughs> name that means success in F1. Sauber kind of feels like a placeholder name as well, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, historically, it has sort of felt that way. It's a sort of lurched from one crisis to another. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, another name we're going to be seeing a lot is Vegas in the coming years. Uh, Rob, you pulled an article here from, from Autosport. Yeah, just uh, it was an interesting piece, sort of analyzing, uh, you know, why was why was uh, the race in Vegas so good, despite expectations around the the layout and the Autosport piece analyzing it, talking to the various drivers and uh, people from Pirelli, is that the the temperatures were so cold that the thing that Vegas took out of the equation is thermal degradation. The fact that F1 tires for a lot of teams and a lot of cars are really difficult to get in the proper temperature range for for a high grip operation. And if they can get there, they struggle mightily to stay there. Uh, you know, this is, you know, this is arguably why we see Haas, you know, kind of have the races fall apart now for three years running because they've just never been able to design a car that can keep the uh, Pirellis happy. And in Vegas, because the temperatures were so cold, um, everyone was kind of in the same boat and everyone was on those hards that kind of came up to temperature, kind of stayed there and weren't that sensitive to falling off if you pushed them. Uh, and so drivers after the race were talking about how nice it was to be in a race where you could just keep pushing. You didn't have to really measure out your opportunities to attack uh, knowing that you would your your tires would begin to leave the you know acceptable tra- temperature range uh, very very quickly, and so the argument you know the, the autosport piece makes and it, it's sort of an editorial but it's also backed by like a lot of conversations with drivers and engineers. It almost feels like one of those editorials that's really kind of like highlighting something maybe the the grid already agrees on, which is that for all the focus that's the, there's been on aerodynamic sensitivity and the difficulty of like you know cars following one another. The thing that's maybe been the most deterministic factor for how F1 races unfold and how cars perform has been this tire temperature issue. And, you know, when we had a race that kind of removed that from the equation, everyone was kind of sitting up and being like, damn, that was that was an unusually fun competitive race. And so it, it kind of puts the ball back in Pirelli's court of this is probably something that needs to be fixed uh, because the way things are working in other races where temperatures are warmer and higher temperatures, more of an issue uh, is generating a lot of boring races where a lot of teams, they can't really push like their, their race day performance sucks and it doesn't just suck, but it's boring, right? They just sort of fall out of the running order and disappear and they're not relevant. Uh, and that comes down to tire temp. Yeah. yeah it's very know. interesting. Good. So, so yeah, it's, it's very interesting just that we, that this hasn't been something we've noticed in I'm trying to think of like where else, you know, I guess we had that race in Turkey. We've had a couple where it's been chilly, but like Silverstone sometimes can be a bit cold. I get me. I wonder if it's the specific type of cold you get in the desert where it's just like it's not moisture. It's like it's like dry, cool, like it's not windy. It's just like dead cool you know what i mean like i wonder no i feel like when we we think of like cold days like imola or silverstone usually it's a cold and wet day and that's like different blustery or something yeah it's like you don't get that same thing uh yeah so it has to be fixed in the tires because these 
you know, there's a lot of Middle Eastern races <laughs> these days. You know, even the ones they do in Abu Dhabi in November are are still warm. Yeah, I um, I don't know why Pirelli fought so hard to become the official tire sponsor for F1 because this seems like the hardest job in Formula One. Is, <laughs> yeah, is making does, yeah. these tires and satisfying. They seem to have everyone. hated it from the first. I remember when they came on, where immediately people were like, "These tires suck." I remember, I think my, it might have been as old even back then. He maybe has been in this job forever, but I remember him saying, like, we made the tires that F1 requested. If you want mm-hmm. tires that, like, are more durable, that aren't as finicky about operating, like, conditions, we can do that. We prefer right. it. That's a better tire. We were told <laughs> to make shitty tires for the show. <laughs> and now y'all are yelling at us. Yep. And flash forward to this, they're like, please, let us <laughs> let us get flogged some more. <laughs> Uh, Danny, let's, yeah. uh, go now to, uh, the silly season. We didn't really have much of a silly season this year, but the season is still silly in some ways. Yeah. A bit of, a bit of weird. He said, he said, um, I don't remember receiving that text message nonsense between, uh, Christian Horner and one Lewis Hamilton. Uh, so this all happened in a short period on the press day before the Abu Dhabi race, uh, where the Daily Mail uh, was, uh, which is a, a rag, by the way, that nobody should buy, um, uh, was uh, interviewing our good friend Christian Horner about various things to get their their nice headlines. And one of the questions was posited was whether or not they had ever approached us Hamilton. Um, uh, Horner uh, had a interesting quote where he said that, uh, and I quote: "Most recently, earlier in the year, there was an inquiry about whether." there would be any interest. Um, When pressed on it, he said nothing happened after that. Um, I think they had met or maybe they were going to meet at some stage. Uh, They they posited this to Hamilton almost immediately afterwards. um, uh, And he sort of clarified it from his perspective, saying, uh, no, I didn't approach them. Christian messaged me. I've checked with everyone on my team and no one has spoken to them but they have tried to reach out to us. Um, he later goes on to sort of explain that he, and this sounds like somebody who got caught texting their ex or something. He found the message from Christian on an old phone <laughs> that he doesn't use anymore and then texted him from his new number uh, saying um, something along the lines of, it was early in the season, saying something along the lines of, oh, new phone, you know, more of a, uh, you know, hey, well done in the championship last year. I hope we get to, you know, drive well against you this year. And Christian responded something similar is what he said. Um, He said, uh, after that, Hamilton said, uh, there's a lot of people here that like to drop my name in many conversations because they know it's going to make waves. If you're a little bit lonely and aren't getting much attention, it's the perfect thing to do. (laughs) Just mention my name. So, uh, yeah, from his perspective, load of nonsense. Uh, Not quite sure what was going on there, but yeah. Yeah, but to your point, Danny, do we like Hamilton's version of events? Do we feel great about the, <laughs> oh, no, like I was at home and I found this old phone that I don't use anymore. But anyway, I turned on my old phone. I was like, whoa, Chris, what's this message from Christian? I'll text him from the new phone number. <laughs> I, uh, I also don't, well, I, I don't like the, I, I find that more plausible than the world in which Christian Horner is like just outing private deal conversations, like it seems like the only reason he would mention this is to stir up shit. Like what? Like it just makes him look bad too. Like if that was true, 
would you really tell the Daily Mail that like you were <laughs> you were like talking to another driver about like I don't think any yeah. other driver in the paddock's gonna think that's cool. Yeah, especially like if, if this 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 thing like I don't really think there's probably much of anything behind this because everyone knows it's a farcical idea on its face that like Red Bull <laughs> is not going to bring in someone like Lewis Hamilton to cool, like be though. alongside Max, Wouldn't it be Max Verstappen. Cool. This is <laughs> never going to happen. Hamilton, like like neither driver has anything to gain by it. It's an astronomically <laughs> expensive deal uh, that you could never like justify on, on the merits. They wouldn't have they wouldn't have to worry about their uh, canteen allowance anymore, would they? Their their charcuterie boards or whatever they went to broke the cost cap with last time. They have to pay for. No, two I mean I drivers. think they probably have to worry about it more because uh, remember the the three most expensive salaries are are uh, exempt. So now oh, you right. have these two expensive drivers that you have to like feed. That have to fire. Their diets um, are very different. Chef. Have to fire whoever, whoever it is, Gordon Ramsay, whoever it is, is doing their food. Yeah. So no, but it's just, it's a very it's a very silly story, and like yeah, the the shit starting from Horner is is absurd. Um, and if there was an outreach, it is very weird to like make a thing of it because it would. Because the thing is, if you're if you're Red Bull, if someone like Lewis Hamilton did reach out you'd at least want to take that meeting and not oh, yeah. like make sure that nobody ever talks to you like that again. <clears throat> so it's a very, it's a very strange thing. It's just the, um, the way Christian and Wolf like have loved to take the piss out of each other. But then we have with someone like Hamilton. It's kind of a, it, it's kind of a weird vibe but at the same time. Hamilton's story is kind of goofy too. It's just such a goofy scenario. <laughs> and maybe that's just what happens when you get in the world of like all these guys have each other's phone numbers and can reach out. They just don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or maybe they do. Maybe they just talk. Everyone's talking to each other all the time. And I mean, remember that? What was it? Was it last year at Abu Dhabi? They had that big meal together and they were like, we should do more of this. I wonder if they ever did it again. <laughs> it, was the, it was the big Seb send-off meal. That's, oh, the, that's so those was. are the things that's like, it's like, um, like when when an old an elder mobster is like having a birthday or something, that's what gets <laughs> yeah, the families to, to, to come. Uh, well, speaking of weird vibes, <laughs> Rob, well, I was I, thinking I, if, I'm you, fascinated. If, you, if you like silly season, just wait until you get a load of the Gunther Steiner comedy series on CBS. Mm. Uh, CBS is apparently working on a single camera sitcom based on. Uh, the character and adventures of Gunther Steiner and oh Hans F. Uh However, this got a lot of att- like. Remember, I think I mentioned uh, like at the start of the season that Kevin James did this, but for a NASCAR show. Yeah, it's a oh, multi-cam. Set, we watched the trailer. Uh, it's horrendous. <laughs> what was it called Ruff. again? Rough. I think it was crew? called the crew. The crew. The crew. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, obviously no one, no one saw it because every time they tried to look up info about it, uh, they were just like bombarded with info about the Ubisoft racing game, uh, <laughs> smash it. And, like everyone just like, tell me more about the crew and nobody can find poor Kevin James. Uh, anyway, CBS is on, is trying to solve that problem by like, what if we made it, but it's about Gunther Steiner. And so this got some, this got some pickup, uh, like around the time of Vegas, but they found somebody asked, asked, asked Steiner about it. 
And he was like, I don't really know anything about it. He said, I'm just a producer. If there's something in the moment, I spoke with them months ago. That was done, but nothing at the moment. I think they tried to do something, but nothing is happening at the moment right now. Spoken like a man with a producer credit. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's like, I don't know taking the meme too far you know what i mean like it doesn't have the legs don't do it don't hey don't man, push it i watched the f- first episode of that uh caveman the geico caveman show oh my god oh my did anyone that? ever approach you about being a <laughs> the blinking guy show uh, just strange things happen no. and you just go <laughs> a, cu- a couple a couple uh requests to go on like um uh like game shows oh really yeah. so that like like a who is this person like do you recognize this person or something i like did that? one of those on the radio uh, yeah. well that's not gonna work well that- <laughs> that's why it's a good radio quiz <laughs> <laughs> who is this visual gag you've seen before <laughs> on the radio it was like uh it was like a uh what was the nickelodeon thing where you just get ask questions uh okay anyway right yeah, I just don't understand why, like, it, it's not a workplace comedy series. It's about two F1 team principals, rivals, but like best friends, both get fired and end up cohabiting <gasps> while they wait, await their next gig. And it's about Gunther and uh, Mattia. Uh, Matteo, like, yes. That's a, the show. Like a, a vineyard in northern Italy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's the fucking show. Wait, I've are watched... you saying that's what you would do or that's what they're actually doing? No, that's what they should do. That's what. Oh, I would okay, do. okay, okay. I would have. Just I would have been expense. like, okay, but okay. what if Gunther got fired at the same time, and these two guys like just oh. decide, fuck it, we'll open a vineyard. Yeah, <laughs> like they open like, like the the best part of Drive to Survive season, yeah. whatever it was this year's. It's almost like um, it has vibes of like what happened after Red and Andy Dufresne met on that beach. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Shawshank's credits roll, but like it's like you know it's middle aged besties just. Having a time together. Well, speaking of having a time, uh, these drivers had a time, and so did we. Let's run down the final standings of the 2023 season. Max Verstappen, of course, won a long time ago. He ends the season with 575 points. His teammate, Sergio Perez, comes home in second place with 285. Uh, Lewis Hamilton in third with 234. And then a tie on points, but because of uh, average finishing or or best finishing positions, Fernando Alonso gets fourth while Charles Leclerc gets fifth. Both have 206 points. One point behind Lando Norris in sixth. Amazing. (laughs) Uh, Carlos Sainz in seventh with 200. George Russell in eighth with 175. Oscar Piastri in ninth with 97. Lance Stroll in 10th with 74. Behind them, Pierre Gasly had 62, Esteban Ocon with 58, Alex nice. Albon finished the season with 27 points, nice. Yugi Tsunoda uh, with 17, Valtteri Bottas in 15th place with 10 points, then we've got Nico Hulkenberg with 9, Daniel Ricciardo ahead of Joe uh, with both with 6, uh, Kevin Magnussen in 19th with 3, then Liam Lawson with 2, Logan Sargent with 1, and Nick DeVries with 0. The constructor standings, Red Bull Racing, of course, wins with 860 points. Mercedes Damn. comes home in second with 409. Uh, Ferrari in third with 406. 
McLaren steals fourth place with 302, Aston Martin in fifth with 280. Alpine's in sixth with 120, Williams has 28, Alpha Tauri has 25, Alfa Romeo has 16, Gene Haasen team finished the season with 12. That's interesting. Alpine with 120, Williams with 28. I don't feel like the gap is that <laughs> far, right? Like I feel like Alpine, Williams, Alfa Tauri, Alfa Romeo, they were all kind of all mixing it up together. But uh, yeah, that's that's a stark gulf. Yeah, especially considering they're all fighting for lower points. So it just shows you how how much of a spread there actually was between the yeah. two of them. Um, plenty to talk about there. Um, I know we're going to get to fantasy signings too, but mm-hmm. just to mention to people that next week we are going to do a follow-up uh, end-of-season podcast with emails as well, right? Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, I feel like, uh, yeah, pe- people want to write in, um, I guess, questions about the season as a whole, thoughts about the season as a whole. Uh, we're going to just kind of take some emails, chat about the season, and uh, wrap, cap things off Yeah, next week. Uh, ShiftF1Podcast.gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails. But yes, Danny, I wanted to get to the final fantasy standings. It's the fantasy standings. Not, the, not the ranking of Final Fantasy games. Right. It's a different <laughs> podcast. Um, at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, the podium looked like this. Val Torres in third. In second place is Alari. And first place at Abu Dhabi, Bullock, Babies, and Botas. Whoa, those are intense names. Yeah. Congratulations, everyone, with your intense names. Yes. Uh, but overall, the season has concluded with the following podium. Here Sayers. we go. In third, with 6,812 points, <laughs> I has no idea. Oh, wow. They got in there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, second place, with 6,859 points, paying the stroll toll. Beautiful, beautiful. I, I, I constant joy every week when we got to when I got to hear you read that out. Great. Yeah. Uh, well, let's here before I read the first one. Let's read uh, the tenth to first. Ready? Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah. Rock place. Nice. Blowsome team. <laughs> Blue shell racing. Oh yeah, remember them. X the goat team X. <laughs> Gamer tag over here. <laughs> 360 no scope. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a tie between X, the GOAT Team X, and Fine Line Racing. Is that for fifth or sixth? That's for sixth. In fifth place, we have three asterisks, the letter Q, and three asterisks. So, Whoa, okay. Top hey, secret clearance. You, all, all, the, all you people who are in the know, you know what that means. Yeah. 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 Couldn't get first, though. I guess the, the conspiracy doesn't go that deep. <laughs> uh fourth place is horner to the max oh, and we've yeah. got i has no idea paying the stroll toll and in first six thousand eight hundred and sixty two <sighs> points time to call underscore gene gene we won the fantasy season congratulations great name great racing great fantasy we work. look like a bunch of winners <laughs> <laughs> very good very good uh, yes, now on to some emails. Um, shift F1 podcast at gmail.com or fn.cool slash emails. Rob, what do we have here? Uh, well, first, we have an email. Uh, the subject line is too enticing to pass up. 
racing around the world in a front-wheel drive hatchback. Drew, take it away. All right, Ben writes, listening to the race around the world segment, parentheses, raw. Raw. Oh, yeah. Uh, Raw is war. Raw. I like it raw. You mentioned the racing season winding down, and it reminded me of last weekend's Bathurst TCR race. This is the weekend of uh, November 11th and 12th. The TCR touring car formula is based off everyday cars, your Civic Type R's, your Elantra N's, your Audi S3, etc. While my beloved WRC is still going, it's hard to speculate, but TCR is a much easier watch with multiple short races per weekend. And as we all know, slow cars make for better racing. They're at Macau with two or four, two to four races this weekend. Uh, that's last weekend. If you're listening to this <laughs> when this comes out and should be on YouTube at TCR TV, either live, either live or after the fact. All Ooh. right. We will put that in the show notes. I, I imagine that people will need a lot of racing to watch in the off season. So that's true. There's a lot out there just on YouTube. Oh, yeah. So yeah, look, they got all these, uh, they got the, uh, the highlights are right up there. Um, my uh, absolute favorite uh, PlayStation 1 video game, at least driving game, was Toka Touring Car, mm. the racing game, because those cars are just real fun to, to race. Um, you get to use, like, brands hatch, and, like, there's just, like, some fantastic British tracks you get to drive around on them. Um I feel like those types, I feel like TCR or like touring car stuff would be something I could get into pretty quick just because it's a, it's a, it's a Robin is racing. kind. It's kind of like the overtake Perez tried on land or not. You could do that in touring <laughs> cars a little, a little bit. And yeah, people yeah. would be like, that was awesome. <laughs> exactly. Great job. Five extra points for best smash overtake. DJ Atomico was pleased. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't know what the, uh, what the, what the, like the, the Toka series, like when so that it morphed worked. into dirt, right? No, the games did, but the, the actual because Toka was. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. No. Wasn't Toka the Toka name of a? Toka turned into Grid. I want to say um, right. It was, it was Codemasters, like, though, right? It was yeah. Like it was they had Toka and they had career Colin McRae. Yeah, Colin McRae turned into dirt, and Toka turned into. So is it just the British Touring Car Championship or is it something? Oh, okay. So they're the organizer. So it sounds like they're the FIA to the British Touring Car Championships F1 or something like that. Um, maybe that's what it is. Um, I should look that up. But yeah. Yeah, touring cars are cool. I like them. They look, they, they, I just, there's something classic about how they look because they do look mm-hmm. like regular road cars. Just but they have like on the side. way more. Yeah, just like, but they're like covered in advertising like NASCAR <laughs> and also have like, kind of usually have big bumpers and side pods on you know what i mean like they're mm-hmm. kind of a little bit beefier like they can take a hit um i mean the yeah. racing game that got me really back into racing sims uh was uh remember that swedish company simbin they did like gt the gtr gtr2 gt legends but they also did something called like race 07 there was about this like tier of racing where it was like honda civics and like you know the, the like uh, and those were a blast because, yeah, it's like you're on a lot of tracks that are maybe a little like not appropriate for F1 car. Like Zandvoort was in that game. And oh, Zandvoort, cool. old Zandvoort in a touring car of, the, of this caliber was an amazing racetrack. Oh, man. Because, uh, yeah, it's very forgiving. Like the speeds aren't that high. Uh, so right. you can get away with a lot. So, yeah, so on that um, banked curve, you're like three cars wide probably. <laughs> bank turn, turn uh, curve wasn't there. 
Uh, but oh, what you're was right. there a was a thing. dune like ridge road that you raced along. Uh, that was yeah, like very old school. Great, oh, great cool. stuff. Uh, so yeah, uh, it's a, it's a fun type of racing. Uh, America has a version like this too. They run in sport races with the Continental Sports Car Championship. Oh, cool. um, also good times there worth worth watching i think robert wickens uh, who was in the, it was that indycar driver was in that horrific accident uh some years back mm. uh he races uh in there and is, is quite competitive uh race 07 on steam um don't buy it uh it is <laughs> i tried to get those games going a while back uh oh, really could not perform the sound they're in that like they had like what was that horrible securum copy protection oh, so yes. like they're in wow. that like that that really bad era late 2000s early 2010s where like for whatever reason these games are rarely backwards compatible like yeah. something about the windows versions that existed then the boot menu was done in well flash or something yeah it's it's just a mess so like i tried to get them running again couldn't be done mm. uh Jason uh, Chadwick writes, Jason. guys, I realize this is totally irrelevant to you all. <laughs> I wouldn't I would be too sure, Jason. <laughs> I just need to say my mom was very impressed with your podcast this week. She is not into F1, but had a massive smile on her face after Donny Osmond was described as having the voice <laughs> of an angel. Growing up, us kids were made to watch him starring in Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat whenever we were sick. So the family wow. here has little love for him. So I now have to endure her smugness <laughs> as she feels vindicated. I guess my eyes skipped over that part where you like that was your like you had to watch that on your sick days. That's like Munchausen's by proxy. That's yes. like <laughs> that's like torture. That's, that's man. <laughs> was, try, was your mom trying to kill you? That... <laughs> I will say I, I was like curious because like I, I didn't know he was in that. I, I listened to that cast album while I was uh, taking show notes and I was like, this ain't bad. I gotta check that out too, because I like Joseph a lot. So I got maybe I have heard Donny Osmond and Joseph as well. I don't know. You might have. It's a it's a bop. I'm not gonna lie. Man, Donny Osmond. So I I now I really so I I think I'm coming around on Donny Osmond. I had a bit of an issue with Donny Osmond for for years. Um, when I first moved here to America ten years ago, no fault of his. Um, but whenever I would say my name is Danny, like in my way I say it with my Irish accent, Danny, Americans think I'm saying Donny. So like my my first landlord for like three years. I'm like, this is a guy who like I signed checks every month that had Danny Daniel written on them. He would call me Donny for years. Um, so whenever I'm ordering, if I'm ordering Starbucks, I have to say like Danny. I have to like really American the A. Like Danny. I was okay. I was actually trying to figure out like I was like, the fuck do you mean people couldn't say your name was Danny? You like, and I say it in Irish, and it's like Danny. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking Danny. about? But now hearing how you think Americans say Danny, Dan- Danny, <laughs> Danny, as opposed to Danny, Danny, Danny. Like it sounds a little bit like if you're expecting Dan- to hear uh, Danny yeah, yeah, and you hear yeah. Danny, it sounds a little bit like oh Donny, Danny, yeah. I can see that. So, I can see that. Is, hey, but you know, I'm good with him now. Now that I'm, now that I just go around speaking like this all the time, <laughs> it's totally fine. Voice of an angel, Donny Osmond. Yeah, great guy. Should tell her to become a patron. We've got Donny Osmond episodes every week. <laughs> <laughs> Not true. Uh, shift F1 podcast at gmail.com or F1.cool slash emails. You can also hit us up on the socials, which are linked in the show notes. That is us around the internet, Danny. Do you want oh, to take no. us around the world one I, last time? I have to do this after talking about the beautiful angel-voiced Donny Osmond? Oh, my yeah. God. Race around the world. Yeah. 
there's just one on my calendar here. It is Extreme E. The <laughs> Copper X Pre <laughs> is happening. Don't laugh at Extreme E. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, they are in Antofagasta, Chile for the, the middle, Copper middle X Pre. Copper. Is that because the ground looks like it's copper? Uh, are there copper mines up there? I think so. Yes. Yes. Are they theming every Extreme E race around a different part of well, the Danny, battery? The purpose of <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> the purpose of Extreme E is to use electric motorsport to raise awareness of climate change and highlight the ad- advantages of low carbon vehicles. Yeah, they could have just driven bicycles. That would have that would have done the job. Yeah, here's the problem. <laughs> the race. problem if you really like racing <laughs> and you're also very concerned about climate change and the environment <laughs> is the number of outlets for that are really limited like a bicycle race just ain't gonna cut it <laughs> i look i want do i want to save the earth yes do i also want to use use the earth as a playground for sick vehicular <laughs> mayhem also yes uh well you can watch extreme e somehow uh and that's all we got danny <laughs> so- <laughs> listen it's the end oh, of the season. No. Oh, we no. got TCR. Don't of... worry about it. Okay. God, How... Do okay. I skip this one? I don't no. know. I've been waiting for it. <sighs> okay. Fox Sports <clears throat> 1, by the way, in uh, the United States. Strap in, folks. November 29th. Advancements in safety mean serious injuries to F1 drivers are now mercifully rare, unlike this book. But until people like Jackie Stewart started to push forward for safety agenda... Uh, the safety agenda fatalities among racing drivers at Grand Prix were not uncommon. It is ironic that Graham Hill survived an 18 season career in F1 only to be killed just months, months after he retired in a plane crash on this day in 1975, a double world champion and the only man to have won the famed triple crown of the Indianapolis 500, the Le Mans 24 hours and the F1 world championship. Hill was flying his own Piper Aztec aircraft when he crashed at Arkley Golf Course in Hertfordshire, instantly killing him. He was 46. Also killed that day were key members of the new Embassy Hill racing team set up by Graham in 1973. Team managers Ray Brimble, designer Andy Smallman, and mechanics Terry Richards and Tony Alcock all perished, as did Hill's protege, promising young British driver Tony Brees. So there you go. There you go. Didn't I say I'd read out Christmas Day on the last one? Did you? I did. Maybe you could do that uh, next episode. I have a dog-eared. Oh, wow. Can I? Can I? Can I? Do you want to do this one or the next one? This day, 1978, Blitzen was tragically (laughs) uh, mangled in a a crash. We're going to do it. We're doing Christmas. I need it. I need it today. I need it. Okay. Dennis Jenkinson was the most famous Formula One journalist in the world after... And after a spirited but underfunded racing career, he turned up to turn to reporting when he became the Grand Prix correspondent for Motorsport Magazine in 1953. Writing under the name DSJ, he continued to act as a co-driver, and in 1955, he won the Mille Miglia road race in Italy with Sterling Moss in a Mercedes. That was the end of the sentence. (laughs) Not sure how I went up like that at the end. Jenks used a series of notes about the track and obstacles, a revolutionary innovation at the time, which is now standard for any rally driver. Wait, what Motor- would the co-driver wait. do before that? Just hang out. It's like, you know. <laughs> hey, did, as you turn. To, uh, yeah, I think there's a, 
Yeah, yeah, go. Keep going. Pedal to the metal. Well, wait, yeah, he's just we remember when we watched the Fangio doc. Uh your co-driver was less a co-driver, I think, and then like a mechanic who rolled with you. Uh, and that's true. would just like oh, you're right. fix the various shit uh you're that right. would that would happen. Um and also, yes, like go hurtling off close with you. Uh if you wasn't like around. left over crest over such and such. It is What's that meme funny. one I, of the guy who's like oh, scream? Samir. Samir, 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 please, 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 please. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, motor racing lore has it that Jenks took to the public roads in Hampshire on Christmas Day 1958 in an unregistered, unlicensed, and unroad legal Lotus Formula 2 car. He reasoned the roads would be quieter and police scarce on the festive holiday. I was worried it was going to take a turn there, but it didn't. <laughs> He's just so having fun. Just having fun. Wilson Fittipaldi, which, if I can pause for a second, is quite the name. It's 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 like two worlds colliding right there. Yeah, it's also um, like uh, there are Baldwin's out there you've never heard of. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, we don't talk about Wilson. Uh, what we do today, Wilson Fittipaldi, born on Christmas Day in 1943, the elder brother of double F1 champion Emerson. Wilson never hit the heights of his brother, scoring just three points in 35 race starts. <laughs> well, but hey, you got mentioned in this book. Sure. Good, jo- good job, Wilson. All right. There you go. Well, uh, Danny, final thoughts. Final race of the season. Yeah, I think Rob was talking before about how I kind of need a bit of, bit, of, bit of, I need a week at least to sort of um, digest and look back over it. I feel like, in a 19 race season, I, I have such a short memory. Like I have to go back and watch like the opening five races again and kind of like remember what it felt like back then and how it was. Um, yeah, it's been a season that's been interesting. It's been, some of the races have been boring, but then some of my favorite F1 seasons had boring races in them. And, you know, we've been recently spoiled with pretty good seasons. So maybe it's, uh, maybe it's, it's not that big a deal. Um, Verstappen had a great drive. Like he, he f- I don't think he retired a race this year, right? He finished every single race as well. Like yeah, ran every lap, every yeah, yeah, every lap. Which uh, you know, granted, he's in a fantastic car, but he still was able to completely blitz his teammate. Um, yeah, there's lots to talk about uh, in the in the next week when we we get together. Please send an email if you have any thoughts or comments or questions. Um, yeah, I'm always a little bit. It's always a little bit sad, not the least because it means that we don't get to chat every single week, mm. lads. We'll do our patron exclusive pods uh, for the next two months, but um, yeah, it won't, it won't be the same, man. It won't be the same. <laughs> uh, final thoughts, Rob. Uh, yeah, I'm also like it's always bittersweet to hit this time of year. Um, do need time to reflect on the season. Um, if only remember that, Danny. I think there were more than 19 races, my friend. I think, <laughs> think there's been more than 19 races for a minute. Uh, I think, oh, yeah. I think they've got the 24 race calendar. I think this year is what 22, 23. 23. China gets canceled like always. Yeah. But this yeah. year it won't be. Uh, but it's a lot of races. Um, and you know, it will not be that long before we are like looking forward to testing at Abu uh, Dhabi. Um, not Abu Dhabi. Um, Bahrain. Bahrain. I really miss though when they would do the. Uh, the big test at Jerez. Uh, yeah, that was always kind of a fun one. Like doing it, uh, maybe it's more cost effective, but doing it at Bahrain, uh, just doing it at a venue you're going to see again next week for the Grand Prix. It's just like there's no juice to testing now. It's just mm. like it, it, it's like a extended free practice. 
um bring like send them send them to Jerez like the classic like this is where f1 does testing <laughs> and it's not super translatable to it to a to an f1 track that's 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 what i want but either way uh we'll be doing testing analysis before we know it yeah well uh until then or until next week um uh send us some emails shift to podcast with gmail.com or f1.cool slash emails and we will uh read some of those on our end of your capper uh, but yeah, if you'd like to support the show and get access to all of our bonus episodes, the ad-free version of the podcast, and the official Shift F1 Discord, you can do so over at patreon.com slash shiftf1. Have a good race weekend, everyone. We will see you all next week. Meow.